Comprehensive, relevant, and insightful conversations about health and medicine happen here at MedStar Health Doc Talk. Today, we're discussing innovations in breast surgery and the variety of surgical options that patients with breast cancer may have. We're talking today with Dr. Lucy Maria de la Cruz, Chief of the Breast Surgery Program and Director of the Betty Lou Orsman Breast Health Center at MedStar Georgetown University Hospital. I'm your host, Matt Holzaffel, Dr. De La Cruz. Welcome to Doc Talk. Thanks, Matt, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. So let's start broadly with who might need breast surgery? What kind of circumstance would bring that up? So most people assume that breast surgery is only indicated for patients who have breast cancer, and it's not necessarily true. Uh, there are some benign conditions that require patients to have surgery. Uh, so when I see patients in my office, um, they can have benign disease and have breast cancer. So the patients that require benign disease um, that require breast surgery are patients, for example, who have fibroadenomas that are benign tumors. So 70% of women end up having uh, these fibroadenomas that are benign tumors. And if they're growing or causing pain uh, or giving them symptoms such as deformity of the breast uh, or they look abnormal on the ultrasound, uh, meaning that from a previous ultrasound to a new ultrasound, meaning six months later, they've changed Uh, they may need uh, a surgical intervention. Uh, There are other lesions, for example, a typical ductal hyperplasia, uh, which are when cells um, have changed in shape and they've replicated abnormally. Um, And this is considered a high-risk lesion um, and sort of a marker for patients who have an increased lifetime risk of having breast cancer. These are also patients who require to have a surgical intervention or something called an excisional biopsy. There are other benign lesions such as lobular carcinoma in situ, and some people find this to be a very threatening name, carcinoma, um, and it's a misnomer. It is actually not a cancer. Um, It's actually been uh, named recently, more recently, uh, lobular neoplasia in situ. Um, It's another high-risk lesion uh, that requires surgical intervention. There are other lesions that are uh, sometimes removed, such as intraductal papillomas, which are little warts that happen inside the milk ducts um, that we also remove with an excisional biopsy. Now, obviously, patients who have breast cancer, we do surgical intervention for, and these surgeries entail such as lumpectomy, which is breast conservation, or a mastectomy. Can we kind of get into the main differences between those two and also the most common kinds of surgery for people who are diagnosed with breast cancer? So obviously, um, there are the two main uh, types of breast surgery. Um, There's also the axillary surgery. So when we manage breast cancer, we do local surgery. uh, And the local surgery entails the evaluation of the disease at the level of the breast and also in the axilla, um, in the lymph node basin. So in the breast, we look at uh, lumpectomy, which is breast conservation surgery, and mastectomy, which is the removal of 98% of the breast tissue. When uh, we evaluate the axilla is for staging purposes. So part of the uh, classification or staging of breast cancer, we look at tumor size, lymph node status, and looking at other parts of the body looking for metastatic disease, meaning the M staging, the metastatic disease. So uh, lumpectomy is when we essentially just remove the tumor with an area of margin around it. Uh, So I always tell patients that we remove the tumor with a rim of tissue around it that we have to make sure that it's clear of cancer. For patients who have non-invasive cancers, such as ductal carcinoma in situ, we need two millimeter margins, which is not much. And patients who have invasive cancer, meaning that has broken through the wall, um, 
These patients uh, require no ink on tumor, meaning as long as the tumor is not touching the edge of the specimen that we remove, the patient's considered to have a negative margin. Now, mastectomies um, have really evolved, and thankfully, I graduated medical school a while back, probably 18 years ago, which doesn't look much since I'm such a young surgeon. Um, but we started with radical mastectomy where we used to remove the chest wall muscles, uh, remove all the lymph nodes uh, at the level, kind of even under the chest wall muscles, um, level three, which is what we call. And thankfully now we don't do such um, drastic surgery and we've evolved from radical mastectomy to eventually we moved on to modified radical mastectomy which we still do in some cases for patients who have very advanced or aggressive disease, such as inflammatory breast cancer, um, to now doing potentially skin sparing, uh, to now nipple sparing, which we're essentially we preserve the skin envelope, the nipple. And what we do is we essentially remove just the breast tissue underneath the skin and we leave the breast envelope or the skin envelope intact. Can you give people an idea of the potential timeline they're looking at from the time they might come in they might see one of our doctors for the time it says, okay, this is the kind of procedure you might need, recovery, and, and so forth. So at Metzar Georgetown University Hospital, we aim to see the patients right away. So when you call our office, we try to get the patients in within uh, the next day or within two days. Um, so we also have a provider in the office Monday through Friday. Um, so if you see us, let's say, you know, after diagnosis, if you are one of those patients that require surgery up front, Ideally, you would be getting surgery within four to six weeks. And the reason for that is because most patients require um, initial studies, for example, an MRI, potentially genetic testing. Um, a lot of the times they have additional biopsies that they may need. Also, if they need to see plastic surgery. Um, and these things actually take time. And I tell patients that the surgery is urgent. It's not an emergent surgery. Um, these most, thankfully, most patients who require surgery up front, they have tumors that are not fast growing that are going to develop, you know, metastatic disease overnight and that they need emergent surgery. So it is safe to do the surgery within a four to six week time window. What can you tell us about prophylactic surgery? And for people listening who don't know, that is the kind of surgery uh, that celebrities like Angelina Jolie have had in the past. So prophylactic surgery are for patients, for example, that have um, a BRCA mutation. Um, obviously, you know, when Angelina Jolie uh, came out, you know, years ago and spoke about her condition and the condition that her family suffered from, or not the condition, but really the genetic gene or the gene that she that she carried in her family, um, a lot of people became aware um, about this and, you know, kind of brought awareness to genetic testing Obviously, in 2022, we now know that it not only BRCA is a gene that's associated with breast cancer, but there's other genes that are associated, like P10 mutation, there's CHECK2 mutation, there are several other mutations um, that are associated with breast cancer. And so when I see patients in my office, um, obviously, we talk to them about their options. The first option is not necessarily surgery. There's high-risk screening that we carry in our office. Uh, we have the high-risk program where patients come in every six months, they are uh, recommended to have a screening mammography yearly and a screening MRI with a clinical breast exam every six months. The other option is added to the uh, high-risk screening is the option of taking an endocrine therapy, which is an estrogen blocker that decreases their lifetime risk by 50%. Now, if the patient is ultimately motivated to have a prophylactic surgery, 
then those are the patients that we refer them for a plastic surgery consultation. And they can have what Angelina Jolie ultimately chose to have. In the case of the patient that is decided to have an, a bilateral prophylactic mastectomy, we talked potentially about having a nipple sparing mastectomy if they're candidates. So if the patient comes to my office and they're already determined that this is something that they want to have, we give them several options. Anatomically, um, if they are candidates for nipple sparing mastectomy, we talk to them about the option of having a nipple sparing mastectomy. There's uh, strong evidence to support that. And it is current, it's safe to do a nipple sparing mastectomy in the prophylactic setting. So we definitely talk to them about doing that. Even in patients who have ptosis, meaning that their breast or their nipples are not in the correct location, we here at uh, MedStar Georgetown University Hospital do something called the Wise Pattern Nipple Sparing Mastectomy, which is doing a, a reduction, a lift, and a, re, uh, a nipple sparing mastectomy all at once. I mean, I've been doing this for probably six years. They were doing it out of Europe initially. Uh, there are not many centers in the United States or breast surgeons who are doing it currently. I feel very comfortable doing them. I've been doing them for many years. And our success rate as far as the nipple uh, survival rate is extremely high. Um, it just takes an extra skill set of to be able to do it. And patient satisfaction is excellent. So we um, are able to offer that to the patient. And obviously, patients get you know, one surgery instead of having to potentially doing a two-stage approach. Um, I remember, you know, initially we used to do a reduction first, wait six months, and then doing the nipple sparing mastectomy on the prophylactic patients when they were too large or they were too totic. Now, ultimately, we do have some patients that we can't do that reduction and the lift at the same time because maybe they're really, really large. And in those patients, you know, we have the plastic surgeon assess them. And if that that is the case, then they end up doing the two-stage approach. Again, we have that ultimate discussion with them. We give them a, a game plan of what their journey will look like. And we give them, uh, uh, you know, um, a, um, a realistic plan for them and for their, their, um, their, um, their clinical uh, treatment plan. So the good news is that the array of options patients have at MedStar Georgetown is, is big, especially depending on their diagnosis and their, their condition. But the even better news is moving forward, there's a lot of exciting surgical innovations in this field. Can you kind of talk about what's on the forefront, what's new, and what's exciting to you in breast surgery? Oh, 100%, Matt. There's so many things that are exciting. And in the surgical field, I mean, I graduated, as I said, uh, from medical school um, over you know 14 years ago. And I would tell you that um, the stuff that I've seen in the surgical evolution of breast cancer is incredible. The way that women look today than when they did when I graduated from medical school is significantly much better. And that impacts their sexuality, quality of life, and the way that they feel about breast cancer. And I always tell my patients that there will be life after breast cancer. Uh, and even after you doing, when you're a previvor, which is what we call patients who are at high risk, uh, there is life after having a prophylactic mastectomy. Um, which is a big decision for most patients as well, you know? And so one of the things that excites me the most and, and that we didn't talk about is the fact that now patients who have large tumors, if they have large breasts, we can do an oncoplastic breast conserving surgery if they don't want to do a mastectomy, which we do here all the time at, at Metzar Georgetown University Hospital with the, thing, with the help of our plastic surgeons. Um, and they're able to do a breast lift, a reduction, and a lumpectomy all at once. And patients look great. They may be... They maybe wanted a breast reduction and they weren't able to get it in the past and now they get it 
and they do it all at once and it's almost like silver lining. And so that's actually been something really exciting. I did research on it when I was in fellowship and we published the data that showed that it was oncologically safe to do it and it was very exciting. And so I feel very strongly about recommending this to patients. And I feel like I've saved a lot of breasts doing that because I had you know, patients who said, I don't want to do a mastectomy. I want to do a lumpectomy. And I was told that if I had a tumor that was larger than four centimeters, I was bound to have a mastectomy. And now we could be able to tell patients that if their breasts are large enough that we can potentially save them from having a mastectomy. And now something that is in the forefront is, you know, there was a New York Times article that came out many years ago when I was a resident that people would, you know, I had, there was a patient that said, nobody ever told me that I was going to be numb after a mastectomy. And, you know, I've been saying this to patients when I consent them ever since I was a resident, you know, you're going to have chest wall numbness. This is something that you should expect. And I think, you know, most patients feel that they're okay with it because they expect it. I think the worst part is when you don't expect it and then you realize that you will be numb for life. Um, because a lot of the patients, not a lot, but maybe, you, I mean, there is some sexual component to sensation in the chest wall and the breast and the nipples, right? And so kind of having that educational component when you're consented with the surgeon and knowing that you're not going to have that component in your sexual life is an impactful thing, right? And so I always have that discussion with my patients. Well, in the forefront is potentially having a nerve-preserving nipple-sparing mastectomy. And, you know, um, I have been working, I mean, I've done uh, nerve preservation, which uh, there are in the lateral nerves and in the medial nerves, we preserve them during nipple-sparing mastectomy. And now with the help of our plastic surgeons, we're, um, you know, serving, uh, preserving the medial or the nipple nerve and potentially, you know, creating a graft uh, and trying to reanastomose it uh, to try to preserve the nipple uh, innervation. And, you know, this is great. This is, I mean, this is what ultimately the goal is. So if I can provide our patients with reconstruction that, you know, makes them feel like whole again and provide them with the sensation, what they felt as close as possible to their previous non-operated breast, then I feel that I've done my due diligence to bring them back to being whole woman that they were before. And I think that that's what excites me the most, that I've seen the whole kind of evolution, even in my own lifetime as a surgeon, uh, to being able to give this to women who have to make this tough decision in their lifetime. Let's talk a little bit about who qualifies for some of these procedures. Now, are some of these procedures ones that only certain cancer diagnosis patients can get, or can anyone with a cancer diagnosis get some of these procedures? So obviously when I talk to patients about options, um, as far as surgery goes, so there are very few patients that have limitations on what options they have as far as surgeries. So patients who have inflammatory breast cancers, we cannot recommend lumpectomies and we cannot recommend nipple sparing mastectomies for us because they have an invasion of the lymph, dermal, dermal lymphatic tissue in the skin. So those patients end up getting preoperative chemotherapy. They end up having removal of the chest, of the skin of the chest wall, and they end up getting radiation. And a lot of the times, and, and we don't recommend reconstruction right away. They get, a, they get reconstruction a year after they're done with the completion of their treatment. Uh, the other people that um, are limited by their recommendations of what we can do as far as um, mastectomy versus lumpectomy are patients who have very large tumors or, um, and that 
if they get preoperative chemotherapy, they don't have response to the treatment as far as shrinking their cancer. And so those patients, we have to recommend mastectomy. And so they don't have an option for breast conservation. If their tumor to breast ratio is, um, you know, um, kind of one-to-one, meaning they have a large tumor and a small breast. If you have DCIS, for example, ductal carcinoma in situ that it's non-invasive breast cancer stage zero, and you have, you know, the whole breast filled with that, it's a stage zero, but you have a lot of it. Then I can't do a lumpectomy on that, right? I have to do a mastectomy. Those are the patients that I normally tend to be limited on the amount of like options that I can give them. Also, if you come in presenting with a tumor invading the nipple, I can't give you the option of a nipple sparing mastectomy. Patients who have invasion of skin, you know, tumor breaking through skin, those are patients that are also tough to be able to give them a lot of options as far as nipple sparing mastectomy. Um, a lumpectomy that, that'll be thoughtful. You know, um, I mean, a lot of the times if you have a skin involvement and you have large breasts, we can potentially do a, an oncoplastic approach and we can take that skin area and do reconstruction with the plastic surgeon. You have to go to your surgeon and I, most of the time a thoughtful surgeon will not be putting you in a box and treat you in a cookie cutter approach. It will be a very personalized approach. Thank you so much, Dr. De La Cruz, for taking the time to be with us today. Hope you've enjoyed learning about the kinds of breast surgery that we offer here at MedStar Georgetown and some of the exciting developments in the field of breast surgery. We've been talking today with Dr. Lucy Maria De La Cruz with MedStar Georgetown University Hospital in Washington, D.C. Thank you, Dr. De La Cruz, for sharing your expertise here on MedStar Health Doc Talk. For more information on breast surgery, visit medstarhealth.org slash Orisman Breast Center or for an appointment with Dr. De La Cruz, call 202 444-3315.